0: I'll admit that I think the great majority of pizza in Ohio is terrible, but I've found a few exceptions in this week's guest. Mikey Saboro, is one reason why. Mikey's owner of Mikey's Late Night Slice and more recently Oddfellow's Liquor Bar, two establishments that I really like. But we're not here to talk about how bad most pizza is in Ohio or what our favorite cocktail is. We're here to talk about what else, the role that Mikey has played and some of the legal developments that have taken place as Ohio and Columbus push towards opening more and more businesses during the pandemic. And since we're talking with Mikey, I figured that it'd be fun to have my co-producer Mark, a Mikey's Late Night Slice employee, come on as well. Welcome back to Prognosis Ohio, an Ohio health and healthcare podcast affiliated with WCBE. I'm your host, Dan Skinner. Prognosis Ohio listeners will know that on previous episodes, we've discussed how businesses, especially restaurants and bars, have fared over the past seven months since COVID-19 took Ohio by storm. We had John Barker of the Ohio Restaurant Association on, for example, and he assured us that the restaurant industry knew what it was doing, that we'd see overwhelming compliance. Barker also reminded us of the thin margins on which Ohio's restaurants and bars operate. The next three months... They're getting to the point that they can't see tomorrow. And um, and so out of those restaurants, 23,000, roughly we're somewhere right around 3% who have indicated to us they've already decided to close. Each week that goes by, more of that desperation goes on. And this is, you know, for people who don't know the restaurant industry, it's a very tight margin, uh, you know, cash flow business. And so if you know anybody in the restaurant business, well, they I'm sure you know this, right, because they've shared it with you. So we're doing everything we can to try to get these restaurants As we start to see a light at the end of the tunnel, and I really do think we are, even if it's very slow, there are already many businesses that will no longer exist on the other side of the pandemic. And with every week, more bars and restaurants fail. Yet, and I admit to having been part of the chorus of critics complaining that we are jumping the gun a bit with the focus given to the hospitality industry. And as we're now seeing, the persistence of high COVID-19 levels have made it difficult and possibly impossible to reopen Ohio schools. As I walk up Grandview Avenue in my city or High Street in Columbus, I see bars and restaurants packed. Though I'm glad to see people relaxing and businesses bringing in revenue, you know that COVID-19 is also there in those spaces. It's a risk. But it's also important to acknowledge that it is, as the last seven months have been, a difficult situation. I try to be understanding and see the different sides, but I also, as I'm sure you do, just want this thing over. As I discussed with Mikey, I've been convinced that not only depending on people's good faith and cooperation, which seems reckless to my policy ear, but aggressive enforcement is a key to making it through this. And as we talk in this episode about the 10 p.m. cap on alcohol service, Mikey seems to agree, shut down the violators and reward compliance. But as Mikey explains, 10 p.m. is also in many ways arbitrary and has created a slew of unintended consequences. So we get into that and more in our conversation. As always, before turning to my conversation with Mike Saboro and Mark France, I'd like to remind you to please subscribe to Prognosis Ohio wherever you get your podcasts and consider following us on Twitter and other social media. If you have ideas for show themes or interviews, don't hesitate to email us at prognosisohio at gmail.com. Also, check out our new website at prognosisohio.com where you'll find an episode archive and much else. Again, that's at prognosisohio.com. And while you're checking out the new website, consider becoming a Prognosis Ohio Patreon for $3 a month. Thanks so much to our new Patreons, whose support is helping to defray the cost of SoundCloud and a few other programs one needs to get a podcast out there. We'd appreciate a few more listeners joining this elite group of supporters so we can continue to grow the show. Visit patreon.com prognosisohio to chip in just $3 a month and become a Prognosis Ohio Patreon. That's patreon.com prognosisohio, and thanks. Okay, now to my conversation with Mikey Saboro of Mikey's Late Night Slice and Odd Fellows Liquor Bar, as well as Prognosis Ohio producer Mark Franz, a Late Night Slice employee. So Mikey Saboro is the owner of Late Night Slice, and uh, I'm a huge fan. you I'm a uh, awesome. yeah. transplant New, new Yorker. Uh, with, I mean, We could do the whole episode on just h- how much I hate most of the yeah. pizza around here. Right. Um, We can get to that, maybe. Um, But we've also invited, uh, for the first time, our producer on the show, who's an employee of Mikey's Late Night Slice, Mark Franz. So good to have you both. Thank you very much. Thank you. So, you know, let's jump right in. Today we're talking not only about pizza, because you also own entities that are in the liquor uh, service business uh, as well. And we have recently had some of these court cases um, that have been dealing with you know this attempt as I like to think of it, uh, what do you do with the knuckleheads who just can't seem to, uh, you know, um, make some yeah, de- right. decent decisions when they're in these spaces so we can have nice things? You know, uh, and we, we've we had on the show, for example, we had John Barker from the Ohio Restaurant mm-hmm. Association uh, a few months Great back. Great guy to have on our side. Great yeah. guy to have on our side. And at that time, you know, his view was kind of like, look, we know how to do this. We Our industry is, is the hygiene industry. We sure. know how to... But then we have moments like, um, you know, uh, the standard hall picture that keeps getting posted on the the dispatch website, mm-hmm. and um, you know um, the kind of bad apples moment. But also some real concerns. And um, I, I thank you for you know taking some time to talk with oh, me about I can't it. Wait. Absolutely. So, where where do you stand on your your thinking about where where your business is positioned? in relation to these legal judgments uh, the injunction the 10 o'clock rule around liquor and those kinds of things
1: you know the way i see it i think bars and restaurants can be a contributing member of our social fabric during a time of pandemic like this because the 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 systems and processes that we put in place are held up no matter what or when you come to one of our places you know there there may be those quote unquote "Quote unquote bad actors out there, and the 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 arbitrary situations you hear about about people being you know shoulder to shoulder in places. Um, you you may have those, you know. In, in one side of my mouth, we are the hygiene industry. You know, there is not one industry that gets." Tested more than we do outside of a pandemic era. So that being said, we're also a a social business, you know that that really thrives on getting a lot of people into closed space. So you know the dance we've had to do. I think we've done it really gracefully, to be honest. The majority of us, um, it, it it is hard uh, to reinvent your business to you know have to deal with capacity limits and curfews. But the best thing that we can do. For the public, for our crews is to actually be here when this thing blows over. So it's not about you know if we're going to do it, it's about how we get it done. Right. And that's why we've adopted the kind of don't give up the ship uh, motto and that's you'll see these flags around the office and in the shops sometimes.
0: So yeah because that was one of the concerns I and mean, we everybody knows or at least everybody should know that most of the restaurant industry most of the the food service industry lives on a very thin margin. Right. We hear about how many of them fail, you've succeeded, but you know and others, you know, the, the, some of the restaurants and bars we love around the Columbus area have succeeded, but what that means after 6 months or 8 months of going through this is is very much a question. Absolutely. So you've made a point of making hygiene, you know, I've talked to some of your employees, for example, like this guy sitting to my left here (laughs) saying, look, you've made hygiene a really big focus of your conversations with your employees, um, social distancing, uh, you know, and I'm guessing this is true of most restaurants and bars. Like this is one of those things where it seems like most restaurants and bars really want this to work. So they have a stake in making it work and not just being reckless. Um, but a number of bars have been cited. There, there are those, those, those situations that kind of frame the larger conversation. Uh, how do we deal with that dynamic of like most people doing their best and then the ones that seem to be flaunting, like, how do you, as a business owner, as a member of this community kind of like process that,
1: you know, I, I think as a, as a, as a member of the group that's really trying to do a good job and give our industry a good name, um, there are tools that those in power can use to deal with those who are acting poorly. Um, the health department, the police, uh, liquor control, um, I'm forgetting one, fire department. you know, every one of those individually or in a group can come into you know an establishment that's not acting correctly and shut them down immediately. you know I mean it, it's a public health thing. so if at any point, during you know in a COVID or a, a situation like this or outside of it, if the bar is, has too many people in it, fire can come out and shut that down immediately. So we as the contributing members here encouraged them to use that, and that's you know one of our arguments about um, you know the quote unquote bad actors if there are if they are out there if they are you know when they are you know not giving uh, a crap about the rules and regulations then we, as an industry, encourage those in power to use the tools that they have available to go in and, and, and cite those establishments and shut them down because they are making it harder for the rest of us. So the tools were there. Yeah. We encouraged them to use those. And we, as an industry, would back up any, any, any enforcement.
0: So you're not. Yeah. So when they come around to check on you, that's a good thing, right? That means that come they're, on in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. And we
1: we have been checked at a number of times by a number of different agencies, and we welcome we welcome the, um, we welcome it absolutely.
0: So you know, it, it strikes me though. I mean, you are not one of these people, and I've heard some of them around the town who are you know. Just kind of saying, leave us alone, right? You're sort of welcoming the structure, welcoming the oversight, welcoming the the even the legal concerns and certainly the public health concerns. Um, but when you talk about this ten o'clock thing, you know this idea. And for listeners who may not know, so well, maybe you can explain what the the legal situation was around the ten o'clock um, yeah. uh, limit. So the 10 o'clock thing, the 10 o'clock curfew,
1: as we call it, was the state's attempt to make sure people weren't out getting drunk and reckless way late into the night. Because according to their thought process, you know, at a certain point, businesses just lose control of their establishments and people are just harder to deal with and to a certain extent, they're right. But... What I argue with against that point is that our rules and regulations and our protocols do not change no matter what the time is, nor do our capacity limits. So our capacity being approximately 50% of what it used to be or less, depending on which location you go to, it doesn't matter if it's 10.01 or if it's 9.59 or it's 2 in the morning, we only have that capacity. Furthermore, we still make sure people are sitting down, wearing their masks when they're standing up sitting, you know, socially distant. So I think it's kind of arbitrary to just take an entire industry and say, we don't trust you past this time to take care of the people and the, the public and your crews. So that was my argument against it. And one of the big industry arguments against it is it's at a certain point, it just kind of feels like we're kind of being singled out as kind of a sacrificial goat to say like, hey, look, we did something, bars and restaurants, you can't drink past 10. I, I just I just don't think it's necessary. Um, I, I really don't to be mandated on at a blanket level.
0: So do you think this kind of harkens back to some kind of like puritanical thing, like go after the bars, it's an easy target or, you know, or, or do you think that, I mean, so if we, you know, in figuring out what the the tea leaves are of intention, is this that they just don't understand how your business functions? or are you being singled out? Like, is this ignorance or is this, in your view, kind of it's probably targeting? A bun-
1: it's, it's a bunch of everything. I mean, everything you just mentioned, it's probably a little percentage of each one of those things. Um, are there people giving the industry a bad name? Yes, albeit a small group. Are we an easy target? Absolutely. You know, it's, it's easier to target us and say, you have to close early than to say, the amusement parks or Zumbezi Bay or a church um, has to close down early. Or, or even a grocery store, for that matter. So, yeah, we're an easy target. You know, we're we're an optional when it comes down to it. We're looked at as you know n- non necessary yeah. when you, when it comes down to it. Um, it, it. Is being social necessary for you know human survival? That's arguable. <laughs> I like to think it is a little bit, um, but I, I I think it's easy to underestimate. our our industry that will just find a way through this no matter what, no matter how many blows and kicks and punches we take, make no mistake. Like every restaurant and bar out there minus maybe like carry out pizza shops are failing right now to some degree. And most to a pretty major degree. Um, We're really thankful that the PPP program is out there. That is an absolute lifeline for the majority of us. Um, But I think taking the restaurant industry and the bar industry for granted is really dangerous because, you know, if that money dries up at some point and we're still at capacity limits and we're still at, you know, a place where people aren't comfortable to come out, then we're going to start seeing closures at a mass level. And right now, people are still being propped up by government money. And we're just starting to get to the end of that. And hopefully that next round will come to get us through the winter.
0: Let's turn to some of the nuts and bolts, right? Of, you know, of operating a business. And that's one of the reasons why I thought it'd be cool to have Mark here. Mm -hmm. Um, Mark who has been so instrumental to the podcast, but I never get to see and you never get to hear his voice. So, you know, I I teach medical students, right? And we spend a lot of time with issues like, what do you do if you have an attending who's not washing their hands? There's power there, right? Do you, you know, and, and hospitals have, processes for reporting this stuff like but still it requires speaking up and you know you might be the coolest employer in the world but you're still a stodgy old employer right on some <laughs> level right you're still the boss man <laughs> right so like you know you're you know so ca- calling you out or calling each other out employees calling each other out um it takes a lot of building to get that kind of culture in place and to get steeled for it. So I wonder if you could tell me a little bit, and then I'll also ask Mark in a moment to kind of weigh in on this. How do you create a culture of compliance within your company where it's like cool to say, Hey, look, public health, You know, and not, and I've gone through, you know, some drive throughs and things where the masks are hanging off their ears and we showed up today with masks on, took them off for our interview. We'll go back to masks. We're all doing our best in in these contexts, but how do you create that culture of compliance?
1: You know, I I, I have two things on that. One, in in a more broad sense, how reasonable is it during a pandemic and you, you know, your your opinion of what the pandemic is, 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 you know, your opinion, but the, 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 majority of society has decided that wearing a mask is what we're going to do the sacrifice we're going to make to try to get through this together and how reasonable is that so at, at some point you know i think in a very broad high high arcing level like it's just reasonable now the second question was you know how do you create that culture of compliance we've done it through i think two things one is radical truth and radical transparency so what we've tried to do, and I, I think we've done, uh, have we done an amazing job? Maybe not, have, I think we've done a great job. I think we've done a very good job of being as transparent as we can with our crews about what the business looks like. We have weekly uh, Zoom calls where anybody that is welcome to come on, that doesn't matter if it's your first day or you've been here 11 years like I, like I have, you can come on and talk to you know, a number of us about what the status of the business is right now, anywhere from the numbers, about how much money we made last week, how much profit we're making, and furthermore, how much money we're losing, all right? So I think when you get to that level with your entire business, literally from the person who just started to the person who's been here the longest, about what it's gonna take to get the business to the other side of this, it becomes, a, A little bit easier to just say this is what we have to do because it's not just us saying you have to do this we have the why behind it here's why we have to do this unless we play by the rules we won't make it and again the best thing we can do is be here when this all blows over in a few months so it's not optional for us to you know, skirt compliance, it's just not, because we have to play by the rules because that's the way we're gonna make it. And if we can prove that by saying like, guys, we're losing money, but the best thing we can do is create a safe environment where people want to come back to it, and that's gonna help us buoy ourselves to the other side of the, you know, this, then, uh, then that's been working for us. So that's kind of the rules we've been playing by.
0: That's great, Mark, so as an employee, how have you felt this kind of culture around you? Like, what kinds of things do you talk about? And I'm, I'm trying, to, I don't want to get you fired today.
1: <laughs> no, and I don't want to be intimidating either. So right. like I said, I, I know we haven't hit every mark. So yeah, th- please speak freely.
0: No, that was a joke. I don't feel that kind of vibe at all, right? But still, it's, it's sometimes hard in even the, the, you know, to have these conversations. Sure, so, sure, yeah. sure.
2: Well, so yeah. So, as the stay-at-home order was starting to be lifted and people were being asked back, I uh, was given the option of to pick my hours, right? And so, I, being a little cautious, decided to do like once a week, mm-hmm. just one shift, just kind of test the waters, check it out, see how the shop itself and my coworkers are dealing with, like, handling the pandemic and talking to people. It's funny that you say that,
0: by the way, because I—that's the same way I, as a customer, have treated places. I go in, I'm like. Uh uh no, (laughs) (laughs) right? Yeah, and you see what's going on? You're like, nope, that's not on my list.
2: Yeah, but no, no, very quickly, like three weeks in, I very quickly realized that every single one of our employees is talking to people at the door about masks. Um, We're handing out hand sanitizer, like on the hour, if not sooner. We sanitize registers and everything. Like, I felt very confident after those three weeks that I could come back full time when I was eventually asked to do that.
1: How tired are you of hearing that wash your hands video oh that plays? <laughs> yeah, it's
2: every like, it's every like couple hours. We so. have a
1: music video service and what we did is we made a music video to place in that plays, I think every hour or every two hours or something mm-hmm. like that. I think we had it every hour and then people complained about it, <laughs> but it's this really like hard rock thing that says, wash your hands. And it's just kind of like, you know, when you go into Kroger and they're like, ding, 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 please check the temperature of your, you know, whatever it that uh, is. Our version of that is like to, to remind on the hour or so that. Okay, wash your hands, sanitize stations, so it 's just an automatic reminder that everybody has either patrons or, or crew
0: members to, to get in there and wash your hands, wash up,
1: clean up yeah,
0: Yeah. I don't know if you both know this, but you know in, in medicine uh, in the hospitals, and of course, this, this started way before the pandemic when they were trying to deal with MRSA and other outbreaks that would just totally take down a hospital and endanger patients more importantly. Uh, There are these external companies you can hire now who Mm -hmm. do surveillance through camera systems. There are um, alarms that will go off around a a patient's neck if your uh, physician or your whatever clinician has come in uh, doesn't actually go to the station first to alert the patient. Right. So like there are these kinds of surveillance systems. And I wonder Mm -hmm. down the road if any of these kinds of like I mean, we hope that we don't just go back to normal. Like you should be able and every business should be able to come out of covid cleaner, better, sure. <laughs> more hygienic, Yep. you know, how do you make this not a, I'm going to rat you out, but like, look, we're, we're just being cool about this. Like that, that's a, that's a very subtle kind of cultural thing to produce in a company. It is. And it's a slippery slope too, because how many places have you been in?
1: And this is my biggest fear about reopening when we reopened. was turning our frontline into, into the mask police and if you aren't trained well, or if you just don't have the finesse of telling somebody, hey, please wear your mask. And if people aren't used to, as as most the majority of people are now, but you know, a month or two or three ago, when people were just like, eh, masks. I mean, essentially, masks were, albeit they still are, optional. Back when this first started, they were quite optional. Um, and turning your front line into the mask police was my biggest fear. And Because you don't want a negative experience. You know, the one thing you don't want is is you walking into a place expecting to get a cup of coffee or a slice of pizza or, you know, a a zucchini and being yelled at to stand over there or put your mask on or don't go do that or whatever. I hate that. That's not what Late Night Slice was about. We're about experience, you know. I mean, before we're about pizza, we're about experience, about, you know, having fun after the bars close or during or whatever before. Now, when you have that experience of, you know, compliance, it's, it takes a lot of finesse and unless that is taught and trained and I'm not gonna say, like I said, we've nailed it, but at least we've been aware of it enough to really try to teach our front line to just have a little bit of care when it comes to you know and, and here's furthermore, here's some scripts you know that we've given people like here's how to you know talk to people when a group comes in and you can tell they've been drunk, you know. Here's how you deal with them, you know. So there's we we have tried as hard as we can to give people the tools that they need to succeed, and not just be like wear your mask, put your mask on, you know. Right? Because right. everybody's been in that situation over the last few months where they've kind of been they've kind of felt yelled at if they you know for whatever reason, or at least they've been in a in a in a, in a situation where they've been compliant, wearing a mask, standing, you know, but somebody else hasn't. And even if you're in it in an area or in a in a store or whatever. And someone else is getting yelled at, that still creates a negative experience for you. And again, it's not just about the person not complying, it's about the entire experience of being in a place. So I think we've tried as hard as we could to give the people the tools to not create negative experiences because you know we're we're training people. You know, we are training the public. And it's our I, I consider it our duty to help train the public. And the public doesn't need to be trained to be hostile. They're gonna get yelled at whenever they walk into a new place. They're taught that you know if they're not complying, it'll be a gentle reminder to 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 comply. I consider it our duty to to train people.
0: So Mark, have you had to have any conversations with customers of that nature? you know the uh, not even just the drunk late night customer, but the the mask resistor and have you learned any new skills in having those conversations? <laughs>
2: People actually in our store haven't been too hostile towards it. They they get a little annoyed when they leave it in their car and we have to tell them that we can't serve you until you have it. Um, but no, it's I've gotten very used to just, I have a hand motion that I put over my face. I'm like, hey, could you please put on your mask? And like, I'll just repeat that if they can't hear me or whatever. But more often than not, people are pretty easily compliant with it. Yeah. And my coworkers are on point. They'll do the same thing. Anytime anyone walks in the store without a mask, it's the first thing we hear. And we might be loud because we're in a kitchen, and some people might think that we're coming at them a little aggressively, but then we just, you know, we back off and we try to de-escalate it. Uh, But I think it's been working really, really well so far.
0: So moving forward, um, really my last kind of canned question is, what do you want to see from the state, from the city, from the county? You know, I mean, you know, we're... Hoping that some of these numbers are ticking down and maybe we're starting to see, you know, um, a light at the end of some kind of tunnel, not the vaccine necessarily and all that, but like we're not going to go back to a normal place where it's like, oh, you know, forget all this stuff. And we shouldn't. Um, but what do you hope from the state? What kind of like public leadership do you want to see?
1: Yeah. I mean, I. There's probably three levels to this um, as the three levels of of governance. So, you know, of course, it would have been nice to have some kind of federal leadership. But I think in the vacuum of that, you know, you look for the state and then city. And again, they're not being really told what to do. So they're trying their best. And I know that.
0: And it's hard to argue against public health. And I know that, too. I mean, some some members of uh, Governor DeWine's party have filed like papers of impeachment against him, which is ridiculous, which is absolutely ridiculous. And I am a bleeding heart liberal. (laughs) I don't
1: agree with everything that DeWine does uh, or has done, but I think he's done a pretty damn good job navigating this, you know, because there is no rule book or there's no playbook for this. So, you know, what I would like to see from them is just an acknowledgement that this industry shouldn't be taken for granted again. And as rules are able to be lifted, and restrictions are able to be loosened, then they should be, and they should be swiftly, because the more we can do with creating our own destiny, as far as enforcing the rules and the the um, processes that we already have in place, I think the better it's going to be for an entire industry that is not going to be reliant on city, state, and and federal support anymore. You know, I mean, if our industry goes under, that is hundreds of thousands of people that are just going to be put on. Uh, you know unemployment, and that 's something that we don 't want to do. We want to keep people gainfully employed that's that is our goal that is you know we have a, again a duty to not only you know be open to sell pizza but to hold up our end of the bargain as far as keeping people you know working and and giving them opportunities to to excel in everything so you know as as we 're able to be as as people are getting more comfortable, I feel with everything that 's going on and things are starting to loosen up and we're, we're knowing more and more about this, you know, I hope that we are just able to, you know, control our own establishments, uh, more and more. So, yeah,
0: well, I have to say, so, you know, we've gotten some pizza throughout the pandemic. I live in Grandview, mm-hmm. um, you know, delivery. And uh, there's some places I'm probably going to have to do some social media about, you know, my views on pizza, because that's a whole sure. other thing. The square pizza that we do here in Ohio. A whole different it's, podcast. <laughs> it's like the square pizza thing is just, I, I can't do it. So yep. I, I love I love the pizza you make. Yeah. We obviously need um, businesses like yours to not just make it through, but to thrive and Man, it's been ugly along the way. It sure has been a learning curve. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. So, but I also just have to say, I think it's really important, and we try to say this, you know, to the students I work with. To just about every, almost everything is public health now. There's not like one industry in our state Mm -hmm. that is not also in the health business now. Right. And, uh, I appreciate you kind of using that framework and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk with you so, yeah. about it. Yeah. Well, Mikey, thanks so much for taking some time to chat with us. And, um, you know, we look forward to, um, drinking the liquor and eating the pizza down the road for a long time to come. Yep. That's what we do. Pizza and
1: booze, the world's two favorite things. So we look forward to uh, coming in and having you there.
0: Thanks. My many thanks to Mikey Sabarro and Mark France for joining me on the show. You can read more about Mikey, his businesses, and the legal developments we discuss in the show notes, which are posted at WCBE's webpage at wcbe.org. They're under the podcast experience tab, as well as at our website at prognosisohio.com. And as we close, I just want to remind you to please patronize as many local businesses as you can, especially through takeout if they offer it. And remember to tip generously, I mean really generously, whether you get takeout, delivery, or you're dining in. Prognosis Ohio is hosted by Dan Skinner and produced by Dan Skinner and Mark France. Please take a minute to subscribe, follow us on Twitter at at PrognosisOhio, friend us on Facebook, and check out our new website at prognosisohio.com, where all of these pieces come together. As always, we encourage you to reach out with your suggestions and your feedback. Thanks for listening, and be well.